holiness and our wholeness. Um, Andrew mentioned that with after the service this morning mentioned that he'd talked to the teen boys about the holiness of God and mentioned in their study that God doesn't have any potential because he's complete, he's perfect. We all have potential. I mean, we're that junk car in the barnyard, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he's he's all that he ever can be and will be and need be. That's a glorious thought. I mean, there's there's no room for improvement with God. There's no upside to God. There's and as we look at the book of Leviticus and um and yet it is so refreshing to be able to start to see as you look at things more and and study a little more you start to see um truths rise up and thankfully we are blessed and benefited by the studies of others that have invested much more time in in the reality of this and and as as we understand this um we can identify with the truths and and identify with the the reality and rejoice in it and as we look to God's word in Leviticus as you have been and continue up through Wednesday this week ask God to to help you to see things i invite you to turn to Leviticus 23 tonight we want to look at the seven feasts that God gave to Moses for Israel, and and we're just going to mention these. Um, and the the summaries of this, um, a man by the name of Paul Van Gorder, I believe he was with Radio Bible Class, but kind of gave the summaries of this. And um, those facilitators, if you want the notes from this tonight to maybe follow up more, see me afterwards and we can can get those to you. But God established to the children of Israel not just sacrifices, but apart from that, also feasts. And, And in realizing these feasts had definite purposes, and as you're going to see tonight, um... They were foreshadows of things to come. The more I study Scripture, the more I'm eager to get to heaven and have God say, you know what, buried in here was a treasure that none of you people even saw. And there will be tons of those. But as you continue to walk with God, God opens your eyes to various things for the praise of God, that it makes us praise Him more. And it builds our faith. Wow, that is my God. 
Um, tonight we'll be observing the Lord's Supper. And, and as I was studying Leviticus this week, I thought, this is an ideal time for us to observe the Lord's Supper. We're reading about bringing all these animals and the sin offering and the peace offering and the trespass offering and, and the reality that we need to be reminded the rich, rich blessing, not only that He is the final sacrifice, but the reality that He paid for all of it. And um, we'll touch on that later. But in chapter 23, and and we will just go through these and touch on them, and I hope it kind of whets your appetite a little bit to to understand. These seven feasts in the Jewish year, foretell and set forth the plan of salvation and the work of God from the death of Christ through His millennial reign. They give us in sequence um, the different aspects of this. And it begins, needless to say, with the Feast of the Passover. We have just studied in Exodus a week ago the Passover um, this is the first feast because that's where spiritual life come from, comes from. The blood of Jesus Christ is applied to us and um, they were called upon to remember this and, um, and in understanding without the Passover we cannot know wholeness in God. We cannot know forgiveness. We cannot have fellowship. This is, this is the basis of life. And he wanted them to, to remember. So in Leviticus 23, 4 and 5, um, they were to set aside and, and remember, um, this as the feast of the Passover. The next in verses 6 through 8, is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This feast began on the day after the Passover, and it continued for seven days, and it was closely associated with the Passover, because in this, and we'll allow you to go back and read it, In it, the Israelites ate the roast lamb and the unleavened bread that night. The blood was the foundation, as we're aware, of fellowship with God. But feeding on the lamb was the means of maintaining that fellowship. Feeding on Christ is the means of maintaining that fellowship. And the unleavened bread that they partook of spoke of the holiness and the conditions for enjoying that fellowship. This morning we talked about the holiness. Is this thing not working? Okay. So, we talked about the holiness, that it's the blood that brings us to God, and continue that walk with God. The Holy Spirit is at work in our heart. And they had, God caused them to be reminded of this, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that the fellowship that we have with God is based on the Passover. 
It's based on our relationship with the Lamb of God and our holiness and our walk with God. Be you holy for I am holy, he said. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Then in verses 9 through 14, we find the Feast of the First Fruits. This is, this is um, a representation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Christ is risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. The feast of the first fruits was, was, um, foretelling, if you please, the resurrection. Um, he did this to show that it was, um, the victory of Jesus Christ through the resurrection. And, and in understanding this, he is the first fruits of the resurrection. He is the one that guarantees our resurrection. And so they had the feast of first fruits. In Leviticus 23, 15 through 22, is the feast of the wave loaves or Pentecost. This took place 50 days after the feast of first fruits. 50 days after the resurrection, what happened? The Holy Spirit came 50 days after the resurrection. It's a, this feast foreshadowed and the New Testament fulfillment is found in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit descended upon the waiting believers and, um, the Holy Spirit took up residence in we as believers. I mean, honestly, if, if you're like I have been in much of my life, it's reading all these details and this takes place 50 days after that. There is no minor detail to God in His Word. And some of these things may not drastically relate to us in our life that we think now, but it shows us this book is an amazing book that Moses wrote these and he didn't understand the fullness of what he was writing. Fifty days later, you're supposed to do this. Okay, so we do this. Man, God, this seems like a, a big ordeal just for this and and we don't want to mess with it. We don't make it 49 days or 52 days. Well, this is all in in God's design and His plan. And the wave offering consisted of two loaves baked with leaven. Now, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit came, and with that, at that time began the church. And the church, if you please, is baked with leaven. Right? We have plenty of evil in us. And although evil is present with us, it is taken care of by the burnt offering and the sin offering and the peace offering. And this is a picture... <laughs> 
of the Holy Spirit coming and God working through His body, the church. Then, in Leviticus 23, 23-25, the Feast of Trumpets. This event was observed the first day of the seventh month. There was a long interval. Four months stood between the Feast of Pentecost, or the Wave Loaves, and the Feast of the Trumpets. A long period of time between them. There were always two trumpets in Israel. One for assembly and one for war. In 1 Corinthians 15 it says, The trumpet of the Lord shall sound and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible. In 1 Thessalonians 4 it says, The trumpet of the Lord shall sound, the dead in Christ shall be raised to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall they ever be with the Lord. The Feast of the Wave Loaves and the Feast of the Trumpets, a four-month interval, a long period, symbolic of the church age. The trumpet will sound, the trumpet of assembly, and we will be assembled to be with the Lord. If anyone ever says to you that the rapture is not does not appear in the Bible, the word rapture does not appear in the Bible, that's true, but the truth of it does. And even of all places, would you ever dream that it'd show up in the book of Leviticus? But the trumpet of gathering will be blown, we will be gathered to be with the Lord, the trumpet of war will be blown when he comes again to take up his kingdom. So, one trumpet sounds for the rapture of the church, another trumpet sounds for the gathering of Israel. <clears throat> the next feast or um, that we're directed to is in Leviticus 23, 26-32, the Day of Atonement. This feast closely followed the Feast of Trumpets occurring on the tenth day of the seventh month. The sacrifices of that day included a sin offering and a burnt offering for Aaron's house, and two goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering for the congregation. So they made offerings for Aaron's house and the congregation. The blood of the slain goat sprinkled within the veil pictures the sanctification of the claims of God's justice. Then in this passage you read about the live goat that was led away into the wilderness and it pictures our Lord bearing our sins away to be never remembered again. You've heard of the scapegoat. Well, the scapegoat is not the guy that dropped the ball and lost the game. The scapegoat is the one that the burden of our sin was put on. He was turned and put out and disappeared. 
as our sins, never to be remembered again. And God wanted them to see the reality of this, that our atonement is paid for completely in Jesus Christ, and our sins are separated. And then the last of the seven feasts, the Feast of the Tabernacles, the fruit of the field and the vintage of the earth is harvested. This is a feast of celebration. And the feast speaks of the millennial reign of Christ. There will be a time of rejoicing, great rejoicing, as Israel is redeemed and all the promises that God made to Abraham that we saw in Genesis will be fulfilled and all of the promises that God made to Israel will be brought to fruition and the earth will enjoy a glorious 1,000 year reign of Christ on the earth that um, he pictured and foretold clear back here in the book of Leviticus. So, all of these were reminders that God wanted to remind them currently in the time that Moses was writing this, but they also were pictures of things that were going to happen. God established various offerings that you've read already in Leviticus 1 through 7. The burnt offering, which dealt with our need to, to belong, our need to be loved. The grain offering that required a response. God so loved the world, but we must respond to that love. The peace offering. An invitation to intimate fellowship with God, and in intimate fellowship with Him, we have peace. But all of that to say, everything always points to the plan of God. It isn't like God has ever been reactive, and even yet today, God is not reacting to what is Trump doing, what is Netanyahu doing, what is Putin doing. He's not reacting to any of that. He is working his plan and his purpose. And in his time, the trumpet will sound and there will be a gathering. And what a day that will be. And there will be a thousand year reign where things will be made right on the earth. And justice will reign and rule. And it's all made possible... By our great Savior. And it's all made possible through the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and I want us tonight to take time to pause and think about the reality of the blood of Jesus Christ and His body. As I was reading through Leviticus and and they laid their hands on the the bull or the goat or whatever, and they would cut its throat and drain the blood, and the blood would drain on the... I'm reading that and I'm picturing, this is, this is a bloody mess. I mean, you know what it's like when you 
kill deer and hang them up and butcher them and maybe you hung them when it's 50 degrees and they're soft and not, I don't need to go any, and you, if you do your own at home, you butcher them and they're junk everywhere. That's just after they're cleaned. But this is, this was a tedious, dirty, unpleasant picture. Why? Because our sin is dirty, filthy, and unpleasant. Now, you know what what the smell of blood is like after it's been laying there a while. Sin, the longer it lays around, is bad. And the reality, it, it's too easy, and, and, and I say this to myself, it's too easy for me to say, yeah, the blood of Jesus Christ saves me from sin. It's too easy, even tonight, to take the cup... And this is representative of the blood. It's so clean. It's so neat. It's so... No, our sin, there was nothing clean or neat about Jesus Christ's crucifixion. It was enough to make grown men weak and faint to see the suffering that He endured. But we need to be reminded of it. It needs to bring us back to this. And that's why we're, we're going to remember this tonight. And to help us to say, thank you God, are you not glad that you do not have to make all these sacrifices? And it wasn't once in a lifetime thing. And aren't you glad that you have access to the Father by the blood and the body of Jesus Christ? I mean, the the high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies once a year. And we can go anytime we want. Oh, God, help me. God, what do I do? God, I love you. We can go directly. So tonight, as as we get ready to partake of the Lord's Supper, I want you to, to think about if you've been reading through Leviticus, that He is the burnt offering. He is the grain offering. He is the peace offering. He is the sin offering. He is the trespass offering. There are sins that are predetermined and known, and there are sins that we don't even know we're committing. But He bore all our sins. And rejoice, God, here we are in this quote-unquote four-month period between Pentecost and the coming of the Savior. But we know in the fullness of time the trumpet of the Lord will sound and the dead in Christ will rise. God, help me to be an instrument that your promise and your peace and your hope can flow through. And God, help me to not lose faith that you are in control.